Welcome to the Partnership Economy. This podcast explores the power of partnerships through candid conversations with industry leaders. Join our hosts, Dave Yavano, CEO, and Todd Crawford, co-founder of Impact.com, as they unpack the future of partnerships as a lever for scale and an opportunity to put the consumer first. Welcome back to the Partnership Economy podcast. This is your host, Dave Yavano, and I'm excited to announce today's guest, Ian McGlumphy. Ian is head of partnerships and events at Apollo Neuro, a company that specializes in wearable stress relief technology. He also boasts impressive experience at brands like Live Nation, WWE, and GNC. Ian's partnership program at Apollo Neuro is truly one of the most diverse programs I've ever come across, as he is effectively and strategically working with podcasters, creators, commerce content partners, B2B partners, review sites, and more. In this episode, Ian breaks down how partnerships can be used to market a niche product to niche audiences. He also dives into the ways partnership content can be repurposed across various marketing channels to drive further growth. I highly recommend listening to this episode to learn more about Ian's innovative approach to the partnership economy. Welcome back to the Partnership Economy Podcast. Today, I've got the pleasure of chatting with Ian McGlumphy, Head of Partnerships and Events at Apollo Neuro. Ian, how are you doing today? Dave, I'm doing pretty well. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right. To get us started, could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today uh, at Apollo Neuro? Absolutely. So uh, a little bit of my origin story, um, I started on the side of uh, what was kind of tour work, uh, concert work, uh, live events work. So so kicked off a, a little bit of my quote unquote career. Um, actually, in high school and getting out of college, uh, working for Live Nation here in Pittsburgh. And uh, that was ultimately a time frame that I was working specifically a little bit more in the production uh, side of things, uh, as well as moving slowly over into kind of community style marketing. That kind of set me up nicely as I was kind of finishing up getting my college degree of Virginia Tech in marketing, uh, where I actually started moving towards even further towards the live event space, where I moved over to WWE, World Re- Wrestling Entertainment where I worked in their live events department, which actually had a lot more to do in the space of uh, ticketing um, with live events, ticket scaling and things along those lines, doing media buying uh, for specific markets, and also uh, helping uh, build out their NXT bottom feeder, uh, or call them the Farm League uh, uh, Wrestling uh, Development Group. That was actually where I was able to kind of really apply not only some of my knowledge, both from the side of uh, Live Nation in the production sense, but also uh, kind of uh, to tail on that to uh, what was really kind of even more of a, I would say like a diverse marketing type of uh, position where I was trying to do ticket sales and and utilize things along those lines for ad buying. And that actually led me into the world of more of a retail space with GNC, uh, the large uh, supplement uh, company, uh, as they were headquartered here in Pittsburgh. That actually led me to a space of, I would call them more strategic partnerships, large-scale sponsorships, and doing experiential retail activations. So in that realm, I did a lot with uh, managing one-to-one with uh, really, really large, I would say, um, sponsorships like the Pittsburgh Penguins or, say, the uh, event setups at Boston Marathon, Pittsburgh Marathon, New York Marathon, kind of that whole entire run of the gamut. And then also uh, doing really, really kind of interesting and uh, fun executions with uh, festival spaces. We did a, a retail execution at Bonnaroo where we set up a marketplace to help all the festival goers with electrolytes and uh, aloe, sunscreen, the things they didn't know they needed that they didn't pack uh, when they were on day three or four of a festival and they haven't eaten much food. 
we were having really a fun time actually building some of those programs out. Um, and then that actually led me over into the space of Apollo. My world of Apollo actually has given me the opportunity not only to uh, utilize those skills I sharpened in my past, but also kind of really expand upon that in more of a tech startup space, um, which is a, a obviously really cutting edge in a lot of different ways. But also, I would say you have to be very crafty and you have to be very nimble. Um, you have to be kind of willing to kind of wear a bunch of hats, too. But yeah, my, my role at Apollo right now, um, I'm the head of partnerships and events, as you mentioned there, uh, which is a very wide breadth of uh, what we really engage with. And you guys know as much as I do, and I'm sure listeners as well know, that partnership uh, has turned into a marketing umbrella term that re- revolves around the world of affiliates that we would through uh, uh, you know, the Incredible Impact platform, but also strategic partnerships, large-scale uh, publisher partnerships, as well as, uh, you know, so even like an endorsement deals and things like that. And then I also manage what is our um, event arm, uh, which uh, really has execution not only for column expo style events, but also branded activations that can be maybe a little bit more outside of the box. Um, so really kind of all ladders up and I've been able to kind of package myself very interestingly with all of those uh, experiences that I've had to, to kind of, uh, you know, kind of uh, get me where I am right now. Mm-hmm. I, I love those brands. It sounds like a lot of fun, actually, and what's <laughs> unique, I think. And I'm dying to get into the Palo Neuro brand and, and talk about that because my, my wife is a big fan. She uses your products. But I, I got to say, I've never met someone with partnership and events in their title. And so, you know, to me, I, what I interpret, like the way that you're talking about events, it makes a lot of sense. I, I can see where that goes. But what stands out to me is that you're meeting the customer where they are in a lot of cases and doing that through partnership. So I'm just dying to hear a little bit more about what that means to you, because, you know, how does that work at Apollo Neuro, for example, or any company that you've worked at tying partnership and events together? Because I do think that's unique. Absolutely. So I I would say the... The, the, the two groups actually, uh, as I mentioned kind of previously, there's a lot of handholding between the both of them. So you have a partnership and both an event activation. What you're really doing is you're creating content for your other marketing channels with both of these groups. So think about this like with a large-scale endorsement deal with a, uh, an athlete. They're going to be out there specifically using a device like Apollo and doing content capture. And we're going to be using that within our realms of, say, email newsletters or our blog or Apollo-owned channels, as well as the athletes channel to bring brand awareness, but also kind of give a little bit more legs to each of the marketing channels. So what I really do is I'm a distributor to these different type of channels for our own internal usage. So the I'm satiating the need for the help in the blog space or the content team, as well as the newsletter team, as well as the social team too. So we're utilizing pretty much every, I mean, what is it? The the, the different style of almost like uh, when you're um, tailed ahead of like eating like a, an animal, you're pretty much trying to use every piece of it and optimize it as much as you can, because that's really what you're trying to do in this partnership space. You're doing the same thing, both in the sense of the partnership realm, as I had mentioned with an endorsement deal, but you're doing the same thing for events. Events is a widespread opportunity for you to do content capture, for you to engage with customers one-to-one, be it customers or potential customers. Um, Apollo lends itself really nicely to the event space uh, because obviously it's a haptic wearable device that is actually vibrating. So there's a tangible nature to it. It's very, very much uh, something that needs to be touched and experienced. Uh, So we're able to really kind of actually not only use these events as 
content um, farming, if you will, where we're able to capture, say, maybe a speaker session by one of our co-founders who might be a part of the event as well. Or we're able to do capture of, say, the the booth space with a number of people who are engaging with our device. We're also able to do one-to-one type of marketing research or marketing analytics. You're able to ask people questions. You're able to even segment the styles of events you do just like you would with a partnership. Tell us a little bit more Palo Neuro. Like, how old is the brand? What's the origin of it? And just go a little deeper into uh, what the products are exactly in the, in the market it serves. To preface it very, very um, bluntly here, we are a stress relief wearable device that is operating in the sense of haptics. And I am wearing mine, of course, a little product placement while I get the chance to. Uh, what's happening with the actual use of the device is the device is emitting gentle, soothing vibrations through a, a small pod. Um, I would say the, the size of it is really similar in terms of a form fit to like an Apple Watch or a Fitbit, right? So it can be worn on your wrist or your ankle. We've also just recently introduced a new hardware that has clips uh, where you can wear this a, on a, a shirt collar or a belt loop or a bra strap. So the devices ultimately can be placed anywhere on the body to actually feel benefits. And what's happening is, is there's a soothing, gentle vibration that's emitted from the pod. Your body's interpreting those vibrational patterns as a sense of touch. So think about how imperative touch is to make you feel safe and in control. What that's happening at an autonomic nervous system level is we're actually engaging in your parasympathetic, which is your rest and digest system. Really similar types of engagement would be happening with mindful practices like meditation, deep breathing techniques. We're able to actually give you or reap you the benefits of these type of mindful practices passively as this device is just worn throughout your day. You can be wearing this during a podcast interview like now, or you could be doing it within a, uh, the drive to and from work or while you're cooking or while you're eating or while you're working out. The device can just be played in the background. And now these gentle vibrations, what they're doing over time is actually helping build up that stress response on the side of your parasympathetic, which is your rest and digest. When you're dealt with stress, specifically distress, there's an overactivity in your sympathetic, which is your fight or flight response. What we're seeing uh, uh, from our co-founder, uh, Dr. David Rabin, he's a board-certified psychiatrist and neuroscientist, originally had researched and developed a technology uh, for treatment-resistant PTSD patients. This is an audience who is frequently or always out of, um, or, or always stuck in a fight-or-flight response or your sympathetic. So again, this is a device that's going to be able to help you tap into your parasympathetic, which is your rest and digest, and essentially lubricate that system. So when you're dealing with stress, you don't have a problem of, of getting back into your parasympathetic. We're seeing the regular use of the device actually increases or improves your heart rate variability. But again, just done at a, at a generally passive level, not introducing anything new out of, uh, 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 out of the work here because it's really just gentle vibrations that are essentially playing non-audible music for your body to listen to. So you can use it for sleep and focus and all of these things. How do you cut through as a new brand and educate people and, you know, inspire them uh, to kind of create that demand? I could tell you, for example, my wife, I think the guy's name is Ben Green, like, you know, podcaster, you're just going deep because she's, she's kind of like an amateur biohacker. So she's into it. Like, so, so she's already down that path. So somehow you reached her, maybe it was through somebody like, like, like Ben Green, but can you maybe just share a little bit about your approach to to marketing, just just uh, customer and revenue acquisition and how you do it. What are those meaningful ways to kind of cut through and be relevant today to people? For us as a brand that is already highly niche, we needed to focus on niche communities. So 
specifically, you need to think about these exact communities that we wanted to target. Like for a product like ours, we really wanted to get first front first to the biohacking community, like you mentioned. Uh, ben Greenfield is an incredible partner of ours. He really is at the forefront of this kind of really breaking emerging tech for these health optimizers is the best way to describe them. Biohacking, obviously very much in the same terminology, but these are groups who are willing to go to any degree for human optimization. To, to describe them in a very polite manner, I mean this in every nice way I can, they're the ones eating raw cow livers. They're sunning interesting parts of their body. You need thought leaders. You need really, really represented and really respected names to be able to talk talk to this type of concept here and actually make it into layman's terms. We've actually, uh, uh, middle of last year, finalized a deal with the NFL Alumni Association. Uh, we're, we're on a multi-year deal with them getting situated. We're also uh, constantly having conversations with different athletes uh, for brand endorsement deals. Um, we had a really interesting one in 2021 with uh, UFC uh, former champion uh, Chris Weidman, who horribly had a um, uh, broke his leg in half on, in the ring in the octagon of UFC, where we actually played a role in, uh, in in aligning with him for his recovery story, for him getting back into fighting shape and getting back into the back into the gym and things along those lines, because we can kind of help with mitigations of pain and mitigations of or uh, improvements of recovery as well. So that kind of like it kind of gave us a, a a really, really big playground to play in. That was a really small sandbox, if you think about it, because it's like you get a lot to kind of like really do a great testing ground on this space. And then you kind of just try to reapply and reapply. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, at the start at least, it's been a mix of very influential podcasters, you know, that have gone deep, you know, within this community, you know, forming a partnership with them. You've even kind of tapped into you know, I guess what we would call an influencer or a creator sort of category, these athletes that have some level of influence. Um, and before we talk about maybe other types of partnerships, just curious to jump to it now, because I know our audience would be interested. It's, it's probably obvious how you may have discovered them, uh, but like more like how you've approached them and like, you know, the, the structure of those types of partnerships, even getting into like, what's the mix of like fixed fee payments versus, you know, a commission on on sales, that sort of thing. Anything to share there? Absolutely great question. So a number of these groups, specifically the, the the more highly niche biohacking groups, we actually start all of them at an affiliate level. So that's kind of a, a 101 with them. They all want a little bit of CPA to at least get started. Um, so that's actually how we situated a lot of specifically the podcast heavy groups uh, was getting a, a CPA system situated. Uh, for them, jumping on to, of course, our beloved impact platform. And then we were able to get them... Um, uh, worked into what was a cadence where we're doing. So a lot of these groups, interestingly enough, not they're not just podcasting groups. They've actually become one of these media houses. They have newsletters, they have blogs, they have review sections, they have shops that you can embed in with in the affiliate space too. Some of the relationships start at a podcast level where we, you know, have Dr. Dave on there from Apollo and we have um, we align that with same, you know, promo code and things along those lines. And that's how it kind of all circles itself up in that, that kind of closed loop system. Once that podcast is done or once that content is created, all we have to do is reuse it. If it was, if it was really valuable and it can be maybe even cut into different snippets or it can be made into show notes or it can be maybe even made into a new article or something like that, then we're using that to kind of feed the system of this partnership already. All we need to do is maybe one or two big pieces of, of engagement with them. And then we just reuse it in all of the styles of, uh, you know, re-mentions or, you know, inclusions in newsletters or listicles or things along those lines. If you're enjoying this podcast and want to learn how partnerships can help your business, 
visit impact.com, the world's leading partnership management platform. We talked a little bit about podcasters and that other influencers and creators, but I, I think I heard you say that these podcasters have also become media companies in a certain way, right? They've got publications where they're writing articles, it sounds like, or doing reviews. I call that the world of commerce content. Um, and, you know, and then essentially there's affiliate links that are woven into the, con- the commercial content that they're writing about. Is it just what those, you know, kind of niche podcasts, you know, folks like the Ben Greenfields of the world, or has that expanded to other larger media houses, for example, that have large editorial teams? The, the, the world of affiliate, the world of, of, of PR, the world of publishers, the world of content is all starting to blur very quickly, in my opinion. Um, as a marketer, it's incredible. As a consumer, you also, you question it a bit. But as a, as a marketer, I actually really enjoy it because you get to work with some of these larger scale premium publisher types who have the analytics, who have the feedback that can actually steer you. What, what are a few examples of those? Absolutely, yeah. So we have a, a CNN underscored is one that we've worked with um, um, uh, very well. And uh, these are styles of groups that, of course, you're going to see the little snippet of, you know, we're, we're receiving affiliate commissions, but we're able to kind of really work with these groups to uh, leverage some of their channels and they're utilizing channels that would be previously untouched by us. Um, one really great little feed, piece of feedback that we saw specifically from the CNN underscored group is that their mobile app is a high engagement place for us. Again, you're likely having this go to a number of users who might just be engaging with the news on a day-to-day basis. But again, that's that's an app that we would have never, no, never any access to. I um, mean, knowing that that actually adds a really great value um, for us to kind of be a part of that story. Um, but yeah, these premium publishers, as we'd seen, um, really is doing, we're, we're doing the encouragement of that same style of long-form review. And again, we're getting this really uh, a value in a different, number of different segments of this. We're seeing this in textile reviews because of the space that we live in. We're seeing this in wellness publication groups as well, because again, we kind of are in these crossover spaces, given the fact that, that we are in the terms of cutting edge uh, technology. So we will get those who are also reviewing maybe the latest iPhone are willing to kind of test our device as well and have their own style of feedback versus those who are, again, the wellness space. Um, and then we're also seeing um, the general population groups as well. All right. So, so far, it seems like you've checked every box, right? You know, podcasters, influencers, creators, commerce content publishers, whether they're more niche or large media houses. Are there any other types of partnerships that you guys are exploring with Apollo Neuro? That's a great question. So, uh, yeah, ultimately, we're actually looking for more of that style of premium publisher type, like I had mentioned with the CNN, who is willing to kind of play ball in the space of, say, affiliate with uh, the encouragement of alignment or crossover through editorial. Um, so those of you who are listening, please email me at ian at apollonero.com because I am actively looking for them. But there's also, um, we're, we're actually, uh, as I mentioned too, we're really supporting a lot of those kind of mid-level, uh, long-form review groups who. They're, they're kind of, you know, not to bring up horses again, but the, they're the horses that you kind of try to bet on and you expect that they're going to actually start getting a little bit of legs in the in the game for SEO. So there's a lot in that type of space that we're trying to kind of optimize more on. And then um, there's a lot of really interesting groups that we're talking to more recently. And this, this would be something that you'd be engaged with. Registration groups for uh runs and weekend obstacle course runs and things along those lines. Those are hosted by a number of different companies. So, and they have a very large database, as you know, 
you're one of them. You'll probably be getting an email from us soon, hopefully. So that's a that's a it's just a little bit of a, a little bit of an interesting space knowing my uh, kind of event background. I know there's a lot of parent companies that actually manage a lot of that sign-ins for pretty much any marathon you do. And then there's a lot in the space now of just expanding upon partners that are already winners for us, finding new ones that are in those same spaces. We're always looking for more and more in the podcast world. We've seen more and more dollars go to that space, um, not only from our own brand, but from many others. You know, we're kind of seeing a lot of different crossovers into different channels in those spaces as well. And just trying to find the right partners to test those ideas. I have to imagine that your products complement other products quite well. What about in the B2B or channel partner space? Yeah, yeah, that's a really great point. So there's a lot in our, and, uh, you know, call some of those even to be, um, you know, affinity partnerships, if you will, these brand to brand ones. And with those guys, we actually do find ourselves working really nicely with them. And we're running mostly styles of, say, large scale giveaways where we're able to align the two brands and maybe create a sales funnel for lead generation. Which again, we, we it's it's kind of a nice way to kind of share some of the pie together, and you're also able to kind of do cross brand content. We're also doing a lot of alignment in our space right now and engagement with with our own um, hosted webinars. Because again, we have that uh, our co-founder Dr. Dave, who can kind of really speak well to it, but he has his own kind of Rolodex and network of different type of uh, brand partners and uh, practitioners in the space too, knowing his medical background, where we can speak to just say, specific conditions or specific angles. Um, and then we've also done a number of uh, groups of, uh, say, like IG Lives, IG Contests, you know, optimizing social, not necessarily relying on it as much as a paid channel, um, but we are utilizing it still with, a, you know, building out content breadth and being able to kind of leverage those type of opportunities there. Uh, you probably have the most diversified uh, go-to-market marketing partnership strategy of anyone that I've ever spoken with, um, just to tell you that. Uh, and I don't want this to be too self-serving because I know you use Impact.com as a platform, but I am curious how you manage this all. You want to give, give folks some insight on that? A lot of what I, a lot of the mindset that I've built, even from my previous careers, is creating programs and testing them and then replicating them. And this isn't anything new. This is the same idea of how I've operated in the sense of events as well. Once you can build your quote-unquote event kit, you know, your event in the box. It, you open up three boxes and your event is there. If you can replicate that five times over, you can do five events at one time. So it's the same concept with these styles of partnerships. I, I'm trying to bucket them into their own worlds, finding the, the thing that ticks with partner one, two, and three of this style of category, and maybe try to just glean, okay, well, there was more engagement from us doing a webinar with a style of partner or there was more engagement from doing a giveaway with a style partner, or they need to be the ones who are really leading the charge on YouTube reviews. It's We've just kind of been trying to do segmentation of our affiliate platform and, and partner programs and just optimize them to the nth degree, try to repeat that with the next one. While everyone, you know, everyone's a snowflake and everyone's a little bit different, but the partnership space Everyone, you kind of have to you kind of have to go in with a little bit of a toolkit, and you kind of see what works best. But we also are really lucky to uh, leverage a lot of really great agency help from MySpace. Um, we're still a really, really nimble and really scrappy startup, and I also have an absolutely incredible partner marketing manager, Kate Arvidson, who really helps to put a lot of the pedal to the metal for our team, and um, we're able to really grind out and just get things, you know. Uh, set up properly and just replicate it over and over. It's really just about that idea of creating programs that you know 
you will just have to kind of build a few pieces and just take a few out whenever you need to. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like partnerships is a, a very strategic revenue acquisition strategy for Apollo Neuro. Where does that sit in the context of other channels, like, you know, traditional advertising, maybe display advertising, working with Facebook, you know, other, other platforms like that? No, that's a great question. So I would say from us, we, uh, we have more recently, just over the last few months, actually put even more of our eggs in the partnership basket. Solely because of the what I mentioned previously on the opportunity of what partnerships can really do in this, not only this leveraging space where you can use partnerships to get you more partnerships, or you can use more events to get you more events, or you can use partnerships to get you events. There's also the opportunity, like I said, is creating these content hubs or these hubs that can really satiate a lot of the other channels. You, I mean, we all know this, that a lot of the dollars are being pulled from what were previous channels as, as the style of the uh, ecosystem of, of digital marketing happens every time, there's going to be a reshuffle. And right now, the reshuffle, I feel like, is being pulling, pulling a lot from paid social and moving it towards channels that you're seeing that you can optimize in different ways. We've ran into a number of issues, and I know I'm not alone in this, where we're seeing a lot of these type of styles of platforms taking more credit for what their actual worth is. And now we're lost in this maze of kind of a overload of different platforms, data, and analytics that don't add up. So not everything's netting out to zero. Not everything's netting out to 100%. You kind of have a little bit of, uh, a little bit of uh, um, extra weight on each of these. And you're trying to find you know, the true north between all of them. And it's kind of hard to track. And you kind of just, you kind of know that the truth is in there in the middle. We have been trying to kind of cut down on some of those opportunities and, and trying to optimize some of our channels that we know we can put a lot more effort towards. And if we put more effort towards it, we know we can get more legs out of it. Yeah, it does seem like it's getting harder to track. You know, we got the loss of IDFA from Apple and Apple devices. Google's talking about doing away with the cookie and retargeting. It is getting tougher and tougher to target, track, and measure through you know traditional means. So, yeah. And I, I don't want to I don't want to scare the, the the groups, and I'm sure you've had this conversation a number of times already too. But we, we, with 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 AI coming up too, that is going to revolutionize the search. It's it, I, I think Bing is already maybe doing some sort of test against that too. Which interestingly enough, you know, you might not you might not be ending up at a at a, at a search page with a number of results anymore. So there's going to be a lot of really interesting advancements, and we kind of just have to like as I always say, you kind of have to be nimble, and you have to be able to kind of. Uh, uh, do the shell game every once in a while and shuffle some of your eggs in some different baskets whenever you need to. Yeah, it sounds um, like it's going to be a real content game is what I would predict, right? The, that, that bot, that AI is going to have to be sourcing content that's out in the wild, whether you as a brand published it or some partner published it. But those are the results that are going to come back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? One thing that I want to kind of call out to it, you had, you had asked me previously on um, uh, how, how do we kind of juggle and how do we kind of optimize all of this? There's one lesson that I have learned specifically from a number of, the, uh, of, of years doing some of this stuff. And many, many of my partners are smarter than me. I, I know that for a fact. Um, and I, I, I really do give them the benefit of the doubt and the, opp the opportunity to help utilize them and connect with them and kind of let them guide your programming with them specifically. They know their audience. Can, can well. we unpack that for a second? Because that that is such a key. If there's one big takeaway, I want the audience to understand is what you just said. Because there are very few, this is, this is 
the tipping point. Uh, I think Malcolm Gladwell's tipping point of you know a, a real like sea change here is brands recognizing what you just said, right? There are partners, there are other people that can talk to their audience in their own unique voice in a much better way than me. Stop trying to control the message. Stop trying to stick that 30 second ad in there or stick that, you know, 350 by 50 creative where it's your perfectly designed message and design and creative speaking in your voice. That's not relevant today. Like you've got to embrace the fact that, you know, uh, there there is a whole economy of potential partners for you to align with, educate them. You've got, and especially for you, because it's such a, um, there's so much to talk about, right? And it's and it's really fascinating. You've got to let other folks interpret that, speak in their voice to their audience or to their customers. But what's unique about this channel, and I, I talk about this a lot, is it's not like advertising where you're fully controlling. So so with you relinquishing control essentially to your partners to do that, right? They're speaking their voice, not yours. You may you may collaborate and and help inform that or educate that or train that up, but ultimately you're not in full control of that message. So back to what, we, what you and I talked about in terms of compensation, right? Um, you can't bear all the risk of how that performs, right? Because you're not you're not controlling it fully. Um, but then, you know, we talked about recognizing that there is some time invested, right, to, to produce that content. Maybe you want to do a little bit of a fixed fee to kind of, you know, mixed with, a, you know, kind of a commission or a performance-based sort of relationship. That seems to me where the puck is going. But, you know, I think too, too often people who have been in traditional affiliate marketing for too long associate this category, this channel as just a single pricing model. It's, it's, it's all commission only. And, and it's not that in my mind. It's, it's recognizing the fact that what makes this channel unique is that you're relinquishing control of your message. And you've got to do that in a partnership with someone that you trust that is investing some time, you know, both ways to kind of get it right. Uh, would you agree with that, that kind of line of thinking? Yeah. I, I, absolutely. And I would say that, uh, you know, just to kind of yeah, reiterate as like the, the, these partners, they have a following for a reason. They have a platform for a reason. They, they, they know what they're doing and their audience knows them. So we have to really play into that and really let them kind of take the shine. To your same point, they shouldn't be reading immediately off of a script. We can give them talking points. We can give them overviews. But we ask them to do, for us, again, for the, just the, the, the nuance of the device, we ask them to review the device. We ask them to give their genuine feedback to their audience that they know is going to resonate. And again, a number of these guys, they're successful because they understand how to do digital marketing as well. They know they, they've got SEO down pat. You just kind of give them, you just got to give them the keys. You just say, hey, you know what? I, I really trust your opportunity here. You're really, I really trust your insights here. And I want you to be able to um, uh, uh, communicate our device through your own channel the best way you know how and the way that you know it's going to resonate. Um, so yeah, so I, I would just, yeah, I would double tap that always uh, and every time. You know, these, these aren't just, you know, these are really valuable people to be to be. Yeah, I really with. do think that's the modern way for for brands to be relatable, you know, to the people they're trying to do business with. Okay, before we wrap, um, uh, I would love to know what's top of mind for you right now. What trends are you paying attention to in the in the partnership or the digital marketing space? Oh man, let's see here. Well, again, we kind of talked about this already. That 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 blurred line, that blended space, that PR premium publisher content realm, the ether that lives, that exists right there. I know there's going to be more and more happening there, um, but kind of just what we talked about as well, you have to make it a part of their world and, and not try to really force it too deeply. 
um, knowing that there's going to be a lot of your same reaction to going into the comments section and finding that the, the device that's actually talking down the actual partnership. I think that's the interesting space right there. So I think that community engagement as well. You know, like for us, it's, it's, a, it's a lot about our regular, regular maintenance of the affiliate program. We have a group on, we have a lot of people signing up on there that might not necessarily be a good affiliate. And they might need an opportunity of being educated or properly incentivized differently or having the opportunity of running a contest. You know, they, they need to kind of maybe think differently about the actual style of partnership they may have signed up for and really helped us kind of like build that for their own type of world. And then I would also say to not get into the uh, economic downturn conversation too much in the, in the effects of retail, but we are going to see and I'm seeing more and more engagement on rewards platforms benefit platforms, coupon sites, discount sites. You can't discard these groups, but I will say that they are very, very necessary of playing nice with. But I would love the rewards platforms. I love these benefit platforms now too. Um, there's a lot of really interesting ones popping up uh, that specifically cater towards small business that I've seen do some really incredible numbers, as well as those that are the cashback style of platforms and programs. As we kind of see more and more uh, affecting the economy, we're going to see more and more people uh, driven by those uh, to engage with your brand. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, mindful of being a shameless plug there, that is um, something unique about the Impact.com platform. It's actually how we came to market is really ensuring that we could isolate incremental value from those types of uh, affiliates and partners that you've got, and then you're able to um, kind of adjust your compensation, you know, at the partner level, at the transaction level, to drive the most efficiency. Because you're right, there is value there but you've got to be able to isolate and understand the incremental value and you're able to adjust the compensation accordingly. Absolutely. And I would say one other thing that I want to kind of piggyback off of that as well from just my own thoughts, something that I've been encouraging a lot of our agency partners to do and kind of our own team as well. We're making now the opportunity of creating case studies with some of our most successful partners and using that as a sell sheet for new partners. So we're saying, look at what, the, what, look, look what we, we can do for you. We're, we're trying to turn the, the, the corner on them a little bit, you know, because they're usually they're coming to us with a presentation. So now we're saying, you know, well, here's the style of partner that we've actually worked with that is very similar to you. Here's what we've done for them. Because again, the partnership space, we're now, again, it's getting just murkier and more blurrier and you kind of have to just kind of confuse people as much as you can as well. It's kind of my, my MO. So it's like, all right, well, no, it's just interesting that you're giving me that proposal. Well, here's what I can do for you because we have this opportunity of incentivizing youth with commissions, with sales or with hybrid packaging, like you mentioned too. Well, thanks again, Ian. That was awesome. I think we covered the entire spectrum in this conversation. I think you bring a, a truly unique perspective to this landscape with your background, your experience. So thank you again for joining the show. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Partnership Economy Podcast. It was fascinating to hear how Apollo Neuro structures their partnership program and hear what Ian thinks about the future of this industry. Our discussion on the similarities between partnerships and events and how the two channels can help each other also provided a fresh perspective on how partnerships can complement other marketing channels. There are many important takeaways from this episode, but I want to share just two that stood out to me the most. The first is the importance of really knowing your customer. It's obvious that Apollo Neuro has a clear understanding of their target audiences, and you can hear it when Ian dives into detail about the niche groups they market to, like biohackers and health optimizers. Putting yourself into the mindset of your customer allows you to think much more strategically about who your audience listens to and what partnerships you should be forming. It may even encourage you to venture out into more diverse partner types 
because you're able to consider all the touch points along your customer's journey. The second takeaway is the sentiment that Ian shared around knowing that your partners are smarter than you. I strongly believe that the most successful partnerships are the ones that are most authentic. And authenticity comes from allowing partners to use their real voices. Your partners have gotten to where they are today by being themselves and knowing their audience. So when brands stop trying to control the message and instead focus on building trusting partnerships, it's no wonder that they tap into this next level of growth. I know I learned something in this episode, and I hope you did too. Thank you to Ian for joining us on the Partnership Economy Podcast, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Partnership Economy brought to you by Impact.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show and rate and review it on Apple Podcasts.